Greetings, Trinity family. Welcome to Palm Sunday. We're going to be in the Gospel of Mark. And so if you have your Bible, please turn to Mark chapter 11. We're going to consider verses 1 through 11. Now when they drew near to Jerusalem, to Bethpage, and Bethany at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two of his disciples and said to them, Go into the village in front of you, and immediately, as you enter it, you will find a colt tied on which no one has ever sat. Untie it and bring it. If anyone says to you, why are you doing this? Say, the Lord has need of it, and we'll send it back here immediately. And they went away and found a colt tied to a door outside in the street, and they untied it. And some of those standing there said to them, what are you doing untying the colt? And they told them what Jesus had said, and they let him go. And they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their cloaks on it, and he sat on it. And many spread their cloaks on the road, and others spread leafy branches that they had cut from the fields. And those who went before and those who followed were shouting, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest. And he entered Jerusalem and went into the temple. And when he had looked around at everything, as it was already late, he went on to Bethany with the twelve. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word. And as we take a few of these Sundays to focus in on the last hours of Christ's life here on earth, that we, we pray that you would do a good work in our hearts, and that the word would find a home there, that you would direct our hearts to see our King in Jesus. And we pray this in Christ's name, amen. This Easter season, we will consider a trilogy entitled The King's Mission. We're going to be in the Gospel of Mark for this Sunday, Palm Sunday, Good Friday, and Easter morning. And as we move through this series, we're going to consider these things about the king and his mission. Today, we're going to consider the arrival of the king. On Good Friday, we're going to consider the death of the king. And on Easter morning, we're going to consider the return of the king. But make no mistake about this. The king was on a mission. Luke chapter 9, verse 51, put it this way. When the days drew near for him, Jesus, to be taken up, he set his face to go to Jerusalem. During Jesus' life, he had gone to Jerusalem and good handful of times. But this time was different. This time the purpose of his arrival led to his death. And in that death, he defeats all of God's enemies. His face was set. He was purposed to go. The mission was clear and set to be accomplished. So this Palm Sunday, we will focus on the arrival of the king 
And consider what our king set his face to do. And my hope, as we consider this series in the Gospel of Mark, this Easter season, my hope is that it will foster in us hearts that have an unwavering trust in King Jesus. While there might be all kinds of circumstances going around our lives and having an impact within our hearts, that as we consider these words, we would have an unwavering trust in King Jesus. So let's dive in to his arrival. There's one last time to Jerusalem. Let's be encouraged to trust our king. And as we look at the arrival of the king, we see that it displays for us a couple of things that we need to consider. First, it tells us that God is victorious through the king. Even here in the arrival, we see hints and shadows of God being victorious through King Jesus. Secondly, we see that God restores through King Jesus. That there's even here in the arrival of the king, hints and foreshadowing of what Jesus came to restore. And as we consider those two important factors at the arrival of the king, hopefully what that will end up doing for us is really have an impact on our response. Our response to what King Jesus displays at his arrival. So let's work through that together, church. Through the arrival of the king, God displays his victory through King Jesus. God is victorious through the king. Now, there's a few things we need to consider here. First of all, as you may be aware, that there is a lot of Old Testament being brought out into the New Testament. There's much of what God promised to do and said he would do that is being fulfilled in the person and work of Jesus Christ. I mean, this teaches us that God stays true to his word no matter what. There aren't any circumstances that can push God off of what he's promised to do. And in fact, those circumstances, as dire as they may seem, are actually used by God to fulfill what he set out to do. That's good news for us. In the arrival of the king, we see promises being fulfilled. Promises being fulfilled. And one of those promises of old is that there would be a day when the king would come. The king would come to have victory over God's enemies and a king would come to restore God's people. Of the particular promise, we find this in Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9. Consider these words. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. Righteous and having salvation is he. Humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. Specific words spoken and written a long time before this moment of Jesus' arrival. It is a, a promise that is, 
that entire chapter of Zechariah 9 is speaking to a promise in which a king would come and bring victory and restoration for the people of God who are anguishing under horrible circumstances. The king would come and lay waste of the enemies. And the king who would come would rule sea to sea, Zechariah 9 would go on to say. And here we see Jesus riding on a colt, on the foil of a donkey, into Jerusalem with his face set to accomplish what God promised to accomplish. And then we noticed that the people were shouting, they were singing, they were crying out, Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna. And again, that is bringing in the Old Testament into the new. Specifically, Psalm 118. Hear these words. Save us, we pray. Hosanna. O Lord, O O Lord, we pray, give us success. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Not surprising. Not surprisingly, Psalm 118 is very similar to Zechariah 9. It is speaking about one sent by God coming to bring about rescue and restoration for the people of God. That God would come to rescue and restore His people. Because His steadfast love for His people endures forever, the psalmist repeats again and again in Psalm 118. Here at the arrival of the king, these promises from long ago were reaching into time and space and experiencing fulfillment. Jesus came for a purpose. His face was set to fulfill what God promised. And he does this in his person and work, in his who he is and what he does in his life. He was already giving them hints and shadows of who he was and and what he came to do. He was already, before Mark 11, displaying his victory over all things broken, over all things in opposition to God. Christ was showing his victory on the way to Jerusalem, on the way to the ultimate victory he would then display. The, The arrival of the king is the arrival of a victorious king. Now in that day, when a victorious king would return from battle, from winning the battle, he would return to his hometown. And as he entered into that hometown, he would enter in on a colt. And the people of that town would shower him with praises and adulation. They would sing and and there would be great festivals and celebration. They would definitely receive him with their cloaks on the ground and leafy branches everywhere. Consider Mark 11, verses 7 and 8. And they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their cloaks on it, and he sat on it. And many spread their cloaks on the road, and others spread leafy branches that they had cut from the fields. In the Gospel of Mark, King Jesus was already displaying his victory. Victory already shown over the brokenness in life. There were these peaks into the greater victory 
yet to come. In the Gospel of Mark, we see King Jesus healing the lame, the deaf, the blind, the mute. In the Gospel of Mark, we already see King Jesus as one greater than nature, commanding the wind and the waves and the natural elements. In the Gospel of Mark, we see King Jesus greater than a whole host of demons, greater than evil even. And in the Gospel of Mark, we see Jesus heal many people and forgive their sins. Already, Jesus, in his arrival in humanity, was displaying his victory. And as he goes into Jerusalem, he goes as one set to secure the greatest victory of all. The victory to come. All of this was a foreshadow of the ultimate victory yet to come, the victory of the cross, where King Jesus would break the power of sin over his people, where King Jesus would would fulfill or satisfy the penalty of sin that hung and draped over his people. That victory that Jesus came to secure His face was set to fulfill it. And belonging to King Jesus through faith is then our only means of being able to kill the presence of sin in our lives in the here and now. He is our only hope of the victory to come over the power of sin, the penalty of sin, and one great and glorious day, King Jesus will return and fully remove, eradicate the presence of sin from all of the cosmos, from the heavens and the earth, and from our very lives. The arrival of the king displays God's victory. Displays God's victory. And he does so through King Jesus. And in that victory comes restoration. And that's our second point as we consider this passage. Is that the arrival of the king displays God's restoring work. God restores through King Jesus. Now, it doesn't take much for us to get our heads and hearts around this truth. Things are not as they should be. Things in this life are not as they should be. We all feel the weight and the burden and the angst and the need and the hope of restoration. That was true in Jesus' day. That was true in Jesus' day. Hundreds of thousands had arrived to Jerusalem that very same week that Jesus set his face to go. They were there for the festivals associated with Passover. And Passover is a a remembrance and a celebration over God rescuing the people of God from captivity and slavery in Egypt. Rescuing them and, and, and bringing about judgment and salvation all through his intervening work in the Old Testament book Exodus. And there we 
we remember God's provision of rescue and promise of restoration to the people of God. We see in Exodus the people were spared, they were rescued, and they were led out of captivity to a place of promise. Jesus walked into Jerusalem that last time, and there was an expectation that the king who would come would do a very similar thing like the Exodus. This time, kicking out Rome from the place of promise, from the land of promise, so that it would belong again to the people of promise. The people were expecting that sort of king to arrive. And while Jesus certainly had a greater exodus in mind, he had one even greater than what the people were hoping for. See, they lived in a day in which there were reminders all around them that things are not as they should be. And aren't we living in such a moment? Isn't every day right now, first of all, all the same day? Doesn't it feel like every day is the same day? I don't know what day it is. (laughs) But isn't every day right now a reminder that things aren't as they should be? Isn't today a day that makes us long for restoration? Long for the king to come and restore? Maybe maybe you have felt the encroaching frustration that things aren't as they should be. Maybe you're tired of a stay-at-home reality. Maybe you've begun to notice that you've had some idols in your heart, and because our circumstances around us have changed, those idols are getting starved, and there are some hunger pains that you're experiencing. Maybe you're realizing that we've taken so many things for granted, or, or maybe you're realizing that you've lived for yourself much more than you've thought. Maybe the aches in your heart are just fresh reminders that life is not as it should be, that there's still yet something to come. Well, our passage reminds us and tells us that King Jesus came to restore. Look again at the last verse of the passage we read, Mark eleven eleven. It's not one of those throwaway transitional verses that just sort of give us these bits and pieces of information as it segues into another story. No, there's something quite significant teased in these words. So let's look again at Mark 11.11. And he entered Jerusalem and went into the temple. And when he had looked around at everything, as it was already late, he went out to Bethany with the twelve. He went to the temple. The temple. He went in there and he looked around and things were not as they should be. The temple was the place where the presence of God and the people of God would dwell together. And the temple was not that place. It was overrun by the things of the world. It was overrun by sinful men. It was not the place that 
was it was supposed to be. It was in great need of restoration because the place where God's presence and his people would dwell had been broken. And in the coming chapters, before his death, the temple in Jerusalem would be a place not of peace, but one of conflict. Conflict between the people and the leaders with King Jesus, who is coming to bring restoration to the place where God's presence and God's people would dwell together. That conflict would ultimately lead to his death, which would ultimately lead to the means by which we can have that restoration. Jesus entered into Jerusalem and he went straight to the temple and he looked around. Things were not as they should be. In the arrival of the king, God displays his restoring work in and through King Jesus. King Jesus came to restore the temple, not so much a physical building, but a true location where God's presence and his people would dwell together. To restore the place. And the king, that is King Jesus, would be that place for his people he was rescuing. Jesus becomes the place where God and his people dwell together. Through faith in King Jesus, you are united to him. You are in him. You are in Christ, and in and of Jesus, there you dwell with God through faith. He came to have victory over the enemies, to lay waste to the enemies of sin, death, and Satan. And he came to restore the place where where you and I dwell with God, safe, secure, forever and ever. That's the arrival of the king. He came for victory. He came for restoration. And we need to consider this. We need to respond to this. There were some people in our story. They, they, they responded in such a way at the beginning of the week. But perhaps their response was very different by the end of this last week of Christ's life. And that's our challenge. Our response is, are we going to receive this through faith? Are we going to reject this? Are we going to reject what the king is offering through this good news? See, in this moment, the king, in his arrival, was having his viral moment. It was a viral moment. There were crowds about and there was a buzz about Jesus because of all the things that he was doing. And word of mouth sort of, sort of got out. And everybody was a, sort of a buzzed and excited to see what he would do next. And there was a crowd singing, Hosanna, Hosanna. Here he goes. Here we go. King David's family line. Here he is. The kingdom's getting restored. However, crowds in the gospel accounts are never presented as the ideal. Crowds are fickle. Crowds have enthusiasm, but that doesn't mean crowds have faith and trust. 
Crowds are present in the gospel accounts, but that's not necessarily a good thing. Much of what was happening in and around Jesus' life spread by word of mouth. And people were excited, they were hopeful, they were curious, but it didn't necessarily mean they trusted the king. And one of the things that's striking about Mark's account is how quickly that excitement and buzz faded away. It went on to something else, namely conflict and then ultimately death. I wonder how many who sang Hosanna by the end of the week were shouting, crucify. We're faced with this moment, this crisis. Do we trust the king or do we reject him? From the viral moment of King Jesus' arrival, things would get worse. As low and dark as death. The jovial sounds of Palm Sunday would be lost in the darkened despair of Good Friday. But that was all part of the plan when Jesus set his face to go to Jerusalem. That's how the king brings victory. And it's an ironic reversal through humility, even the humility of death comes the laying of waste of the enemies of God in the ruling of from sea to sea. And we need to hear that. We need to feel that ironic, redemptive reversal that God uses what looks like to de- defeat to bring about victory and restoration. Circumstances can certainly seem overwhelming. And we can wonder what is going on in our world or how long can this go on in our world. And we can feel the weight and the burden of our circumstances. And they can seem too much for us. But know that God uses what looks like defeat to bring victory and to restore what was lost. And that God is the same God in your life right now. And he is not overwhelmed by the circumstances in and around your life. He is not overwhelmed by the burden of all that is going on in our world and in our hearts. He's the one who overcomes all the enemies. He's the one who brings about restoration of your life with him. These days are not too difficult for God. He's displayed as much through his king, King Jesus. Recently, with all this extra time, our family has started up again watching the Lord of the Ring movies. We just recently finished the second one, The Two Towers. And it's got one of the best scenes I know I I know it's not in the book exactly the way that it is in the movie. And it's one of those moments where I'm okay with that. So all you Lord of the Ring, I was going to say the word nerds, but I won't, can save your texts. I know it's not in the book, but it's oh so good. 
Gandalf says to Aragorn these words. And in a moment of overwhelming circumstances, in the moment of what seems like impending defeat, those words came back to Aragorn's mind. Gandalf says, Look to my coming at first light. On the fifth day at dawn, look to the east. Friends, we can trust our king. I know that circumstances can feel so much and can seem so overwhelming in your life. But the king who arrived on Palm Sunday, the king who died on Good Friday, the king who returned on Easter is your king right now. Trust the king. Look to him. Trust the king. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word. For, it, for in it, you reveal to us your purpose, your promise, your plans, and how the person and work of King Jesus fulfills it all. God, I pray that our hearts would rest with unwavering trust in you and our King. Would you do that? Would you do that in us, we pray, in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. As you continue in worship, sing in your living room, sing your hearts out. Wake up the neighbors with worship, for we have a king worthy of it all. God bless. Have a great week.